0: IBS Yeezus coming at you guys live with an episode of the full count right before the all-star break. I uh, got my co host Brian Malone on right now. So uh we're going try not to keep you guys too long. I know there's um other sporting events going on right now. Um there's some baseball action, there'll be some soccer action later. Uh so we're gonna go ahead and get you guys out of here within an hour. Are you there, Brian? Oh yeah, I'm here. What's up, man? What's up? Um, we'll just go ahead and jump right Not into much. it. Uh, the biggest story, I think, hitting into the All-Star break, are the uh, injuries to the Mets pitching staff, uh, mostly their starting pitching. Uh, what's your take on the Mets pitching staff right now, with Matt Harvey uh, having a uh, season-ending uh, surgery once again?
1: I mean, I think, like, I think. You know it's like something you said the other day it's a gen- it's a genetic thing with Harvey. Um, I mean, maybe you know there is a little wear and tear in there. Um, you know maybe they rushed him back a little bit too fast last year in the playoffs, but i I just think you know that's such a rare condition that he he's diagnosed with. you know it's not something that everybody gets like it's and it's something he can come back from. You know, that's the thing. I mean, you look at somebody, Phil Hughes had it. You know, not a lot of people remember that. Phil Hughes was diagnosed with the same thing. He's been decently productive, you know, since the surgery. So it's not like he's done. Uh, But I I don't really blame the Mets as much for that one. Um, But you can blame them for the – for Syndergaard, for sure. Um, That's just all arm fatigue. Yeah, um, I think one thing um,
0: to point out, like you said – the uh, condition that Harvey has is uh, very rare. Um, I, I don't even know if I can pronounce it, but basically, uh, it's it's it affects one out of every like two hundred thousand or something like that. Or every, actually, I think it's only two hundred thousand cases uh, in America right now. And then the percentage of people who have to have surgery uh, because of it is even lower. So, um, like you said, you know, it might be a genetics thing. The thing with uh, Singard, um, he has arm fatigue. Matt, st- uh, who is like their fourth guy in their rotation, uh, but their best lefty, um, he's got a bone spur in his elbow. Um, I looked up the numbers, and it seems the Mets are top three in innings uh, per starting pitcher collectively. Um, do you feel like we'll see in the second half – they kind of taper off and put some more wear and tear on their bullpen because um, when you look at their bullpen, their bullpen is in the top five uh, for innings pitched as well. So collectively, it just seems like their pitching staff is just worn out early.
1: I mean, that's they're going to have to at some point. You know, they're going to have to call some guys up to AAA, maybe plug in them, you know, have a guy's, some guys miss the start here or there. Uh, I just think I watched, I mean, I was watching the game today. I'm watching Matt's pitch right now. Um, you know, it doesn't look. He doesn't look as good as he did. You know, late last year or early this year. You can definitely tell those burns, those bone spurs are affecting him some. Uh, you know, Daniel Murphy took him deep uh, in the first inning. Gave up two runs in the first inning, and then they had. Before I walked outside to do this, to this, to this, uh, they had a runner on third with one out. You know, looking like they were going to score. Matts were going to score again. So that's three runs in the first three innings that Matt was giving up. Uh, he wasn't looking very good. So I think they're going to have to, you know, like I said, rest some guys, have them miss some starts, you know, bring up a bring up a prospect from AAA or AA and have them spot start here or there in the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think nobody expected Bartolo Colon to be uh, argue, arguably their best pitcher. I'm not knocking uh, Degrom; he just kind of got a late start, I think, uh, due to uh, like he had a child, and then I think um, he also had a little bit of concern. Of on fatigue hitting um into the season out of spring training, his velocity yeah was came down. out of spring training uh, yep. yeah, I think he was throwing about eighty seven eighty eight um or even like really low nineties um but his velocity is back up to about ninety five ninety six right now, so that's a good sign um with with these injuries, how far do you think the Mets can go uh if they have to taper off uh. their their pitching staff?
1: I mean, you know, with the the pitching injuries, uh, I think they can survive. That cesspitus injury, though, is is killer to them. Uh, the Cesspitus is going down for, you know, at least a month. It looks like it's going to be at least a month. Uh, I, I, honestly, I don't know. Right now they're the fifth-best the fifth team in the NL. Uh, right now they're in the wild card, but – I don't know if they can hang around. Honestly, I don't, I, just, I, I don't know. They've been so inconsistent in the first half while being healthy that now that they have all these injuries, I, I don't know if the Mets can hang around.
0: Uh, switching over to um, their opponent, <laughs> uh, the Washington Nationals, specifically Steven Strasburg. Uh, he's 12-0 um, and and might, uh, might be the NLSI Young winner, given the status of his competition, um, most of the pitchers are getting injured Or, or having some pretty uh, Poor starts What have you seen out of Strasburg there has been uh, an improvement uh, From last year to this year Or just in general uh, The peaking that he's doing right now What, what adjustments has he made Are you there uh, Let's see Brian, you there? I think we're losing you. i here,
1: here. I was using some headphones, but they don't always Oh, work. okay. <laughs> uh, so um, did yeah, you hear the question? But, uh, yeah, yeah, I heard the question. I would I say it looks like he's been a little bit quicker to the plate, um, you know, been more decisive in his in his pitching, um, not wasting motion. Uh, but at the same time, I think it has a lot to do with self-confidence. Strasburg's feeling it right now. Uh, he's always had the talent. You know, he's, he's always been one of those. Guys that that can make the plays and can can pitch, you know, give you. I mean, I, I, you see seen it throughout his career. His first major league start, he struck out what 15, 14, 15 batters. Like mm-hmm. he's always had the talent. It's just been mental. It's been it's always looked more of a mental thing where where he's been in his own head or he's been thinking about you know needing this these out this one out too much. Uh, and it's, I, I mean I think it's 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 a lot more to do with just his confidence in his in his pitching ability.
0: Yeah, I have to give him a lot of credit, man. Um, I, I was always hard on Strasburg, um, mostly because of his um, his form when he throws the ball. I think he puts a lot of wear and tear on his arm. But um, just not even talking mechanics, his control this year has been uh, exceptional. Uh, he's actually pounding the corners, uh, left and right side of the plate, uh, much better this year than he has in, in recent uh, years. And I think the fact that he's not hanging over the middle of the plate a lot. And then, you know, he's got good stuff, good movement on his pitches. I think that's leading to a lot of uh, ground outs and uh, a lot of people not hitting the ball uh, squarely. And it, it's working out for him. Um, he gets run support, but even when he doesn't get run support, he's still able to hold people to one or two runs uh, during his start.
1: Uh, one thing oh, I he was want to say. I mean, he was dominant in his last start. That's about as good as you can be. He was dominant in his last start. One
0: thing I also wanted to point out that also supports the, um, the claim that his control is better, he's actually got a one ERA when he's ahead in the count. And it's one of those things that um, if you go back and look over the course of Strasburg's uh, early part of his career, the times that he did get in trouble, especially after his uh, his uh, arm injury and him being shut out, the times that he did get in trouble was when he got into those 2-0 counts and he hung the ball over the middle of the plate. Whether it be a curveball or, excuse me, mostly it was the fact that his fastball and changeup, uh, just, it just sat over the middle of the plate. And the location is so key uh, in throwing batters off. When you throw it in on the corner, they don't know necessarily if they, if they really want to take that pitch or you, you keep them guessing when you can, when you can right. hit the corners. And then you also get a little bit of help sometimes from the umps uh, depending on how good the catcher frames, but uh, the combination but of I mean, that you want to get,
1: you want to get fastballs over the plate. Sometimes you know if you're down 3-0, you want to get one over the plate, but it's, yeah. you still can't pump it right down the middle. Like you gotta, you gotta make them change their eye level. You gotta change the batter's eye level, have them like, to keep them guessing. You know, throw it in different spots, and, and he's done a better job of doing that this year.
0: Yeah, and you hear you hear commentators talk about hit, hitters counts. So uh, anytime the pitchers. Uh, there's more balls and strikes. It's, it's a hitter's count uh, unless it's a three, two count. Then it's kind of uh, a toss up depending on who's on base and the situation in the game, but you never want to be two Oh or three Oh, because like, like Brian said, you have to get the ball over the plate, especially a fastball. And you don't see a lot of people uh, confident enough when there's a two Oh count or three Oh count to throw a breaking ball pitch, just because uh, there's so much uh, room for air uh, in a, in a breaking ball pitch. So uh Schwartzberg is is doing it up, man, and and they gave him that extension, and he's showing that he's pretty much worth every penny. and And I never thought I would see that come, uh, but I'm um, I'm happy for
1: him. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, I, I you know I think he deserves, like I said, you're right. He deserves every penny of that extension he's gotten. It looks like, um, you know, it looks it even looks like he's really kind of shaking off those issues of of you know people being worried about how deep in ball games can he go and all the, the arm fatigue issues. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem like he has any of those. Uh, so it looks like he's shaking a lot of that off, and, and he's, he's as good as I've ever seen him. Yeah, definitely
0: definitely peaking. Uh, switching over to a team that's peaking right now, uh, the Cleveland uh, Indians, nicknamed the Winions. <laughs> um, people want to know, and this is the, I think this is the number one question uh, hitting into the uh, all-star break. Can the Cleveland Indians continue winning like
1: this? Are they are they for real? Um, yes. Uh, you, you know, when you look at that starting pitching, um, you, you know, they they have some dynamic guys in the lineup. Um, even though they're missing Michael Brantley right now, you know, they, they have some guys who can do some things in the lineup. But when you look at that starting pitching, and, and Corey Kluber is the one guy in your rotation that has a, a Cy Young award to his name, and he has the highest ERA – of your starting pitchers,
0: you know, you're
1: going to be able to win some games and you're going to be able to consistently win some games. And so that's the thing. That's my thing. You know, I think just, just from that alone, their, their ability to, to pitch and they're going to be, that starting pitching is going to carry them all the way to the playoffs. And now how deep they go in the playoffs, you know, we've seen, you know, the best teams in the league lose in the first round of the playoffs. So the playoffs is a whole different animal, but I think they're good enough to, to definitely win the division.
0: Yeah, I think um I think the Indians are a dangerous team in that division. Um I think they've got enough consistency across the board to uh to maintain this this little lead that they've built up in the first half, uh, barring any uh, major injuries. But they've already had pitching injuries. I think uh Salazar has missed a start or two Uh, Carrasco has missed uh, a couple starts uh, for sure, I think with a hamstring injury. But that was all during this span of, uh, I think, winning about 18 of their last 21 games or something like that, something ridiculous. I know they knocked off uh, 14 in a row before they finally lost. Uh, The one thing I think when I watch them that makes them a dangerous team and makes me believe in them is that they're finding ways to win. Um, during difficult situations where guys are not necessarily hitting the ball like they're supposed to, but they're they're able to play small ball and get that run in, uh, they're taking an extra base when they run the bases. They had a series uh, last week with the uh, Tigers, and I kid you not, guys were going from first to third like it was playoff time. And and you it know, was. Just, I, know I
1: watched I watched one of those games. I watched the game where Napoli hit the eighth inning homer, and it, it, yeah, they they. Like you said they're finding ways to win even when they're not playing well. You know that was a game yeah. where it was a three-three game, and we've always talked about the Tigers bullpen issues. Tigers have always had bullpen issues, but you know the three-three game, uh, eighth inning, and Napoli Napoli goes and, and puts it out. But then you you look at the highlights from, from that whole entire series. I mean, you got Rajai Davis. You know, you said first to third, like it's nothing. Francisco Lindor, first to third. You know, everybody Kipnis. You know, all these guys are are, are hustling. They're just playing as hard as you can play. And, and, and like you said, you know, they're, 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 they're grinding out runs even when they're not playing well.
0: Yeah, and, and that's something that I think a lot of people are overlooking, but that's the same thing that got the Kansas City Royals uh, to, the, to the World Series the last two years. It's the same thing that has allowed teams like the uh, San Francisco Giants, the St. Louis Cardinals, these teams that are better than the best teams or better than the good teams, that's what sets them apart. Is the overall um, hustle and just uh, in-game awareness, and that's something that you can't really calculate uh, with uh, a lot of teams. And I think that's something that sets the Indians apart. Yesterday, uh, Rajah Davis uh, was on um, or Raja Davis was on second base, and this is just one of those examples. He was on second base. They're playing the um, the Yankees. CC's uh, pitching. He throws a breaking ball. Catcher catches the ball. Well, the catcher takes too long to throw the ball back to C.C. Like, Raji never went back to uh, second base. He kind of just stayed halfway between second and third. And just that awareness of realizing that McCann was throwing the ball back all lazy to C.C. he ended up on third base. They scored for him. He took that extra base based off of him going back to the pitcher lazy and just being aware of the situation. And you end up with a runner on third with two outs. Napoli comes up, uh, gets walked, and then the guy behind Napoli hits the ball uh, in, in between second and third and you got your first run. And those little things like that, they ended up losing the game. But I'm just saying those little things and that awareness is what pushes a team over the edge in the series uh, when you're talking about postseason play.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, those are the things that show you the teams that want it. You, you know, the teams that are they're that out there grinding out for every run and grinding out for every win are the teams that that want those wins. You know, they – they the. I mean, I, you know, talking about the McCann and CCV and Lazy, the Yankees, they, they, they don't care right now. I mean, I've watched plenty of Yankees games this year. Um, they just you – know, that's the difference, you know, between a team that wants to win games and a team that doesn't right there. You know, like you said, Roger Davis is, is – in the game, and he's paying attention, and he's making those hustle plays, and, and McCann is, is is back there being lazy, throwing it back to the catcher, or back to uh, Cece. That's, so I mean, that's the difference, you know, right there between the. You said the teams that that make those plays and win and win the series in the playoffs, and the teams that don't.
0: Yeah, and and since you're a Yankee fan, I'm going to ask you um, a question that everybody wants to know because they're kind of holding they're kind of holding the league hostage, uh, because a lot of people are interested. In that back end of their bullpen um, Will the Yankees be Sellers uh, in the second half Of the of the season
1: I, I mean I think They should be um, But at the same time You know I don't think they should just be selling Just to sell um, You know but Tantis Miller and Chapman are also in their primes it's not like they're aging um, You know and even You know bullpen is something that That you need you know you're always Going to need a good bullpen uh, but it's also something that, you know, if you turn, your hitting starts to come around, you know, you you pitchers start making some better pitches, and that back end of the bullpen becomes a real asset. Um, but, you know, if teams like the Cubs are, or, or, you know, the Giants are willing to throw some of those high-end prospects to get one of the guys, uh, I I don't see why the Yankees shouldn't do that, you know. They're, they they need to be in a rebuilding stage right now. Um you know, the, now the Yankees rebuilding is totally different than most teams rebuilding. But they need to be in that rebuilding stage where they they're trying to acquire some young, talented players that that they don't have to go out and try and sign a free agency or trade. You know, somebody they can get for not necessarily nothing. But at this point, I mean, if your team's not very good, what is what is the point of having a good back end of your bullpen if you never have the lead and you never use it?
0: Yeah, and and I think I think. Um the reason why we haven't seen anybody moving just yet is because you're talking about some teams with uh deep minor league talent, like the Chicago Cubs who could definitely use uh Miller or uh Batins or uh Chapman. And you kind of want to get as much as you can out of them. And then you got the fact that Theo and, and Cashman are familiar with one another uh, in a, in a probably not so friendly way, uh, seeing as they were, rivals with the Boston uh, Red Sox and New York Yankees. So, it's going to probably take a little bit of time. Um I think the asking prices this year for a lot of people are just ridiculous. Um I know the Marlins wanted uh wanted a whole minor league top prospect team uh for Jose Fernandez and it's just, you know, you just don't want to you don't want to take these chances on a lot of guys who like we're talking about Singar Uh, having um, arm fatigue, and, like, guys like Jose Fernandez, they're coming off of Tommy John, and it's just, like, the pitching is so fragile now uh, with the injuries. So you don't want to give too much uh, because a lot of people, I think, feel like they're taking the risk by uh, bringing in a pitcher who's already had uh, a lot of work on their arm this season.
1: Uh, The pitching is definitely – you know, a lot, a lot riskier than it ever used to be. Um, but, you know, batting I mean the bat, the game has changed completely. Uh, hitters, hitters nowadays, you know, walks are down. Um, you know, guys don't take as many pitches as they used to, don't take as many walks as they used to. Uh, you see a lot more all or nothing guys, you know, who strike out 140 times a season, but they hit 35 home runs. So, I mean, the game is, the game's changed a lot. Uh, but you're right, definitely, you know, you don't want to be the one who takes on Jose Fernandez and, you know, by the time he's 28, he's done. his arm is completely worn out and he's done. Uh, but that's the thing about baseball. You know, it, it, either it's going to happen or it's not to me. Um, I don't think teams can sit here. You know, if you want to be a win now and you, you want to be in a win now mentality, you can't really be worried about that. Um, you can't really be worried about Jose Fernandez breaking down early. Because to me, at this point, you're going to get at least two or three really good seasons out of him minimum before he starts to see some wear and tear on that arm. I mean, he's only what 24 at this point, 23, 24. Yeah. So uh, I would do it. You know, I would make the deal for Jose Fernandez in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love the kid, especially in the National League, because he actually swings a good bat. He came in and uh, pinch hit and won a game against the Braves, so um, he's not he's not a liability at all, and he's a competitor. And he's got really good movement on his pitches, fastball, uh, slider, and, and he's he's a power pitcher, but he's got a little finesse to his game too now. So um, I think he's worth he's worth a lot, but just it's just hard to measure, you know. Like you said, the people who are in win now mode, I I don't know. I think uh, the way the way we've seen a lot of these win now mode things play out for teams. Um, I think a lot of them are just a little hesitant to be caught with uh contracts or one one year players and then having to extend them and and stuff like that. Uh we we saw how it worked out for the Tigers uh when they wait they made their splashes uh during trade deadlines and it didn't work out too well for them. So um I just think there's a little bit of hesitation and we'll probably see this balance out after the uh, All Star break. You're going to probably hear a lot about uh, trades in the next week or so, uh, with teams finally coming to uh, some type of understanding in the middle ground.
1: Although, to be uh, honest, if I'm, the Marlins, say, if, to mind, if I'm the Marlins, I'm not trading Jose Fernandez. You know, you look at somebody who's twenty-five and one in their career at your home ballpark. I don't know why you would ever deal that guy. I mean, yes. at some point, like that's what you build around you know at some point you have to keep somebody if you're the Marlins and that, that to me like that's the guy you build around the guy who's 25 and 1 all time in Marlins park uh like a 160 RA or something crazy like that like that's the guy you keep you know that's not the guy you trade
0: yeah and the Marlins actually have a good uh team to build around now and i think that's going a little bit under the radar they're a legitimate threat to uh make the wild card in the postseason this year uh, based on the fact Yelich that can
1: play, Ozuna can play, like they've got yeah. a bunch of guys that can play.
0: Yeah, and and they've got they've got four to five options of 300 batting average hitters batting in front of yeah, Giancarlo Stanton, who's still one of the most dangerous four hitters in the game. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I was saying like Dietrich and Ramuto and Ozuna and Yelich are all hitting over 300. Uh, yeah, they're they're dangerous, and then you got Boer you know, Justin Bour can drive the ball. I mean, they got, they got a pretty talented lineup. It's just, what kind of pitching are you going to get outside of Jose Fernandez?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, they're another, they're an interesting team to watch, uh, in the second half. Um, I was actually going to get to that at the end of the, of the, uh, show. So I'm going to move us along. We're here. Um, talking about first half, uh, give me your
1: first half, um, American league MVP. You know, it hurts me to do this talking about. I'm a Yankees fan, but I've got to go with David Ortiz. Uh, you know, at his age to be second in the league in batting average, sixth in home runs, uh, to he's second in RBIs and first in slugging percentage. So, uh, if you put the numbers like that at his age, and the Red Sox are two games behind the Orioles uh, for first place in the division, um, they're what ten or fifth? They're like fifteen or sixteen games over five hundred right now. I, I With everybody else in that team that's hitting so well. He still stands out, and to me, that makes him the MVP.
0: Yeah, I'm going to roll with uh, Jose Altuve, the second baseman for the Houston Astros. Um, he's just a terror this year. Uh, he's got a three forty three batting average. Um, his power numbers are way up, considering how small he is. He's got 14 home runs uh, at the break and 51 RBIs and 23 stolen bases. I just think he's overall just one of the best players uh, swinging a bat right now. If you look at his on-base percentage, uh, the fact that he can steal bases, the fact that he can hit it out when he needs to, and he can also uh, score runs for you. Ever since they've taken him out of that leadoff spot uh, in Houston, he's just been amazing. Um, He's peaking. He just signed with Scott Boris, so if you're a Yankee fan, cross your fingers. (laughs) Um, But um, I think he he doesn't get the credit that he deserves uh, based off the fact that, like you said, David Ortiz is doing some amazing things in Boston, and this is his last year. Um, And he's also not named Mike Trout. So I expect him to get a little bit more credit uh, in the second half of the season because his team is peaking. And they're looking like they might make a run for a wild card spot as well. Uh, who is your American League uh, Cy Young for the first half? I'm, I'm picking Danny
1: Salazar, Cleveland's um, the best team in the American League. Uh, he's second in the league in the R.A. He's a fifth in strikeouts, and he's got ten wins. Um, like I said, he's the best pitcher on the best team kind of thing for me right now in the American League, so I'm going Salazar. I'm gonna roll with uh, Aaron Sanchez of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's uh, nine and one. Um,
0: he's got a two nine seven ERA. I just, I just think the fact that he's got nine wins on one of the worst like teams, as far as bullpen goes, uh, speaks high volumes to me. I, he obviously doesn't have as, as many wins as, as uh, some of the other uh, top pitchers, like uh, the guy you named from the Indian Salazar. But uh, I just, I've watched him pitch, and I think he's. Really, the best American League pitcher out there this year, and it's unfortunate they're going to move him uh, to the bullpen, which I'm still not understanding why. But they're going to move him to the bullpen uh, here in the second half of the season. But I just wanted to try to get his name out there and give him some uh, kudos uh, for the work oh, the kid, he's done. The
1: kid can pitch, yeah. Sanchez can definitely pitch.
0: Yeah, he's he stabilized that pitching staff. Um, I thought they they really were investing in Stroman being the ace but um he's he's had some struggles even though he's got uh, one of the highest ground ball uh to to fly ball ratios. Um he's had some struggles this year and I think Sanchez has been a breath of fresh air for that pitching staff. Estrada has also been uh very very good for them. Uh, he's hurt right now, but uh they got a, a lot of good starts out of half in the first half as well that they didn't expect. And um, their starting pitching actually was one of the best starting pitching, uh, far as win percentages and, and overall work. It was just their bullpen blows so many games. I think they were saying their bullpen accounted for about, um, like this was probably the last month I saw a stat they counted for about 13 losses, <laughs> like early in the season, and and that's saying a lot. I think the teams only lost about 30 games or so, um, if that. So you're talking about the bullpen alone, accounting for, at this point, over half of their losses. And um, that's not very good for anybody, especially a team that's trying to uh, fight their way back into uh, the pennant race. So, And Sanchez the is my...
1: with the Red Sox and the Orioles playing so well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sanchez is my guy. And uh, like I said, he's going to move back to the bullpen in the second half. So if you don't hear about him in the second half of the season, don't think I'm just making it up. He's been great. Uh, switching to the National League, uh, who is your National League MVP right now? My
1: well, National League MVP, I'm going with Chris Bryant. Uh, he leads the NL in runs, he, runs and home runs, and he's second in RBIs. Um, top five in slugging percentage, top five in batting average too, I believe. Uh, I mean, Chris Bryant is, and he's on the best team, you know, in the National League. So I, I think to me, Chris Bryant is a clear cut MVP.
0: I'm going to run with the guy that right now, and I'm going to say Daniel Murphy. <laughs> He's got a 349 average, 16 home runs, but the main thing is the 64 RBIs at the break. And uh, you said he hit a home run today, so it's probably uh, a couple more added on to that. But uh, Daniel Murphy's playing so well, people are not realizing that Bryce Harper is halfway trashed this first half. Uh, he had a great April, but he hasn't done anything uh, pretty much since. Probably the third or fourth week of the season, and then you look at Daniel Murphy and he's stabilized that uh middle of the lineup for them he's hitting lefties just as good as he's hitting righties he's destroying his former team the Mets, which is extremely important uh for the uh the Washington Nationals as they make a run for uh consecutive uh well actually they didn't win the division last year so as they make a run back to being division uh winners, I think One of the most important things about Murphy is that everybody, including myself, just knew that he would taper off, uh, that he just had a good run in the postseason last year, and that just isn't the Daniel Murphy that we know. But um, his glove isn't costing them games, which is something that I thought would uh, come back to bite them in the butt. And then his bat is just incredible. I mean, for him to be batting that well and protecting Bryce Harper – uh, without having any protection behind him, says a lot. And um, I mean, I I'm think just, just, you
1: know, I think those those swing changes that he made last year, you know, it's kind of the same thing with as, as Jose Bautista a few years back. Like you see these guys who have this talent, but they just it's one of those things that people wonder why can't these guys always put it together sometimes. And just getting the right coach, you know, and changing your swing, tweaking your swing just that little bit, and the right coach seeing you know the change that you need to make that you didn't see yourself. Getting, can, can really push these guys, you, you know, above and beyond anything we've ever seen them do before. I mean, Jose Bautista was a replacement-level player until he went to Toronto. Um, they changed his swing, and now he's, you know, a four- or five-time All-Star. Uh, and, and, you know, he's got 200 or 300 home runs in the last six seasons, or seven seasons. So, it's the same thing with Daniel Murphy. Uh, he he got the right coach. You know, they made some tweaks in his swing, and he's one of the best players in the game, you know, since since he made those changes.
0: Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, and again, the Nationals, Nationals are proving me wrong on, on some aspects. And Strasburg and Murphy are one, but I'm not ever giving you guys Bryce Harper. I just want to put that out there. Every episode, I will make sure I find a way to slander Bryce Harper. <laughs> uh, I'm committed <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Even when he was an uh, MVP last year, I, I was still committed to finding something wrong. But um, that, team, that team is playing out of their mind. Right now, uh, which leads me to my NL Cy Young. I'll start it off um, on this one, Malone, and just say that my NL Cy Young, embarrassingly enough, is the Washington National and it's Stephen Strasburg. Uh, he's twelve and zero at the break. You don't even have to do anything or say anything about the ERA, the uh, the WHIP, or the strikeouts. Just know that this man is undefeated at the break uh, with twelve wins. I think he's the first one since like I. I think the stat was like 1913 or something crazy like that. Uh, but it's been a long time since somebody's been 12-0 um, at the All-Star break. So uh, take my word for it. Strasburg is the man right now. He's got some competition in Madison Baumgartner, of course, uh, who's always there. I think Clayton Kershaw getting hurt um, and Jake Arrieta has been struggling. Um, I think it's just a two-man race right now. Singard has arm fatigue. DeGrom doesn't get the run support. So you're looking at Bumgarner and Strasburg probably down the stretch as a uh, one-two um, combination of potential Cy Young winner this year.
1: I mean, I'm going to give you two. You know, for mine, um, I, I, it's, I think it all, it's all contingent on, on how long Clayton Kershaw is out. Uh, he's in the 15-day DL right now. You know, if he comes back after these, you know, this stint on the 15-day DL, and he's able to, to to pitch and keep pitching the way we saw him pitch before the injury. Then I think it's Clayton Kershaw's award to lose, no matter either Strasburg goes 20 and 0. Mm-hmm. You know, when I mean, you've got a 0. .73 WHIP and a 1.7 ERA, and, you know, and he's 11 and 2 at this point. So it's like if Kershaw keeps pitching like that. You know, Kershaw ends up 18 and three. Is 18 and three with a with a seven E ERA and a 7.7 WHIP. I, to me, that's better than somebody going 20 and zero with a with a decent ERA. You know, even if Strasburg's ERA is 2.7 and he's got a 1.0 WHIP. Like, I, I, to me, you, you know that just the ERA and the WHIP numbers show the dominance. Nobody he's not getting nobody's getting on base, uh, and that that's the you know the key to the game is, is to not let people on base. And and nobody's been better this year than Clayton Kershaw doing that. But I think it. Like you said, it's all contingent on how long he's hurt for. Uh, if he misses a big amount of time, then uh, then obviously it's, it's Strasburg's award to lose.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree to some degree because <laughs> it's hard it's hard to convince anybody, especially the uh, voters. Oh, i about to sneeze. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> it's hard to convince anybody. Uh, especially the voters, that uh, Kershaw isn't the best pitcher ever. And that's pretty much every year. I mean, last year he had an off year, and Granke carried them, and he still was like the main guy.
1: <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, what's going on over here? I keep sneezing. <laughs> at some point, you know, Kershaw Kershaw always continues to have these stretches. But even last year, he started off that first month of the year, I think he had like a three seventy ERA after the first month of the year, almost four, close to four ERA. But then he went on like a 55 55 innings where he gave up like I think it was like 55 or 60 innings in a row where he gave up one or less earned run over every start you know each starter in there I think he had like six starts in a row where he gave up one earned run or less uh, and he, he throw, like four or five complete games in a row at one point last year like he just he has these stretches where he really looks like the greatest pitcher you've ever seen uh, then he's two and six in the playoffs with a four or five ERA and you kind of realize that he's not but. He really does have these stretches, it seems like, every year for, for a month or a month and a half where Clayton Kershaw looks like the greatest pitcher you've ever seen. And, and so you're right. I mean, I think that's why he does get a lot of Cy Young love, uh, you know, because, because, like I said, once a year there's a stretch during pretty much every season where you're like, wow, this is, this is some of the best pitching, consistently some of the best pitching you, you'll, you'll ever see.
0: Yeah, and spe- speaking of the pitching, because we talked about, you know, Kershaw's on the DL, Sengar's got arm fatigue, Harvey's out uh with season ending surgery. Uh Arietta's not looking good. How do you yeah, he see got shelled this by off?
1: the pirates the other day? Huh? He, I I was saying Arietta, I watched Arietta get shelled by the pirates the other day. He, he yeah,
0: good. He's he's gotten he's gotten hit pretty good uh in the last like month. To be honest with you, I I think they made some scoring errors uh in his start against the Reds because I swore the Reds got at least four off of him. But I guess they called. I guess they he counted gave them as unearned the runs.
1: Huh? He gave up six against the Pirates. He gave up six the other day against the Pirates. Now he gave up four, and then they brought Alex Wood in. Alex Wood. Well, he was responsible for the two runners on. But he had mm. six earned runs the other day against the Pirates. I mean, that's as bad as I've seen him pitch in a long time. Yeah, yeah, and and I they think it was the first you know, he gave up. He gave up multi homers in that game against the Pirates. Also, they're saying that was the first time he'd done that in almost like a year and a half. He'd given up a multi homer game. Uh, so, it, I mean, yeah, it was as bad as I've seen him look in a long time.
0: Yeah, and with, with all that taking into consideration, we, we run into this all-star game, which actually means a lot uh, to um, the National League and the American League teams that are competing uh, for potential worst world series bursts like the Mets, the Cubs, uh, the, you might say the Red Sox, um, the Rangers, I know, and then the Indians, teams like that. So each league wants to be properly represented. And I feel like we've got an issue on the National League side because most of those pitchers are hurt right now. Um, how do you see this game um, shaping up on Tuesday? Who do you think is going to win?
1: Yeah, you know, it also it depends on, on how many of p- these pitchers are available. I mean, they've already said Strasburg's out, Syndergaard's out, Kershaw's out, Arietta probably going to be out. Um, you know, there's a lot of these big name pitchers in the, in the National League that are out. Uh, and in the AL as well, I think I think Chris Sale is, is missing the All Star game if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's there's you know some big names that are going to be missing the All Star game from the pitching aspect, and it happens every year, but I feel like this year there's a lot more than normal. Um, but I, I, honestly, I would put my money on the National League. Uh, I think the National League they've won the last what two in a row I think. Um, the national the National League. I don't know for some reason I just, that, that's my feeling this year is that the National League is going to win this game. I say they win
0: 5-3. I'm a little concerned about the pitching injury and I think uh, the American League bats are just so good, man. I I can I can see a scenario where Mike Trout becomes a three-time MVP and and the American League just run away with it based off their bats. Um the Cespedes injury, is, I think, is also going to hurt the National League. Um, Azuno is, uh, is uh, taking
1: – Isn't Encarnacion going to miss the All-Star Game too now because he accepted the suspension today? Uh, Encarnacion withdrew his appeal and he accepted the suspension, so I think Encarnacion might end up missing the All-Star Game. Uh, oh, well, he, he the suspension the suspension was uh, one game, and he served that today. So he oh, should he be good. Today, so now he might... yeah. yeah. He should be good then, Yeah. Yeah. And, right, and yeah, when you yeah,
0: we'll see. And that's the thing I think is concerning because they're talking about Johnny Cueto being the potential starter and I've seen Johnny Cueto get shelled the his last couple starts and, it, and I wonder if they're going to be able to keep the ball in the park um and I just see I just see the uh American League capitalizing off of uh some of these pitchers just having to be happen to be in a bad situation uh with their control and stuff and then um the American League's got injuries, too. Uh, Craig Kimbrell's not going to be able to pitch for them. But, I mean, honestly, do they need anybody other than the three guys from the Yankees if they could have possibly got them on? <laughs> I mean, they could just pitch Miller, Butantz, and Chapman, and I think they'd be just fine with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, those guys are those guys are as good as they get in the back end of the bullpen. All three of them can, can close games, and all three of them have closed games for for a few years now, and they're all – they're all sub one whips and and everything like that. I mean, they're they're definitely three of the best relievers in the game. Um, the Yankees just don't deserve to have three (laughs) all-stars. That's kind of my feeling. Like we just, we haven't been good enough. We don't deserve to have three all-stars. Um,
0: switching over to the, uh, spectacle that is the home run derby. Uh, give me your thoughts on that. Who do you think is going to win the the derby?
1: Uh, I mean, you've got some guys who are definitely derby worthy. Um, Frazier's coming back. Uh, Mark Trumbo's in it. Uh, so I mean, I think it's it's honestly kind of going to come down to those two. Um, those are the you know, Mark Trumbo leads the league in home runs, and Todd Frazier. Obviously, we saw what he did last year. We saw the show he can put on. Uh, Robinson Canoe's coming back to the home run derby, I believe. Yeah, uh, we know what kind of show he's he's put on in the past. So, I mean, it, it should be fun. You know what the the the, uh, the new the new setting that they put on last year was, was much better than than any home run derby i have watched previously. Um, you know, each guy, that five minutes really kind of because takes some guys some time to get warmed up. Sometimes, you know, some guys would would not hit a home run or only hit one or two home runs and they're ten outs. You know, this way it kind of gives them, gives us a time to warm up. Uh, so I mean, I, I like the format for sure. Um, I think they've got some good guys in it this year. Some guys who who have put on shows before and and you know with a lot of power. So I'm excited for the home run derby. Um, I, all in all, I think my final pick is going to be Mark Trumbo. I think he's just been having one of those years. Where where things are going really going his way, and, and I like the success story. You know, I like the story of him kind of coming back from 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 those. You know, he fought back from injuries and and struggles. Just just you know, he he couldn't hit a thing for for two years, and now he's kind of bounced back to where he was, where we saw him a few years ago, when when he was really tearing it up with the Angels. Uh, so so I'm I'm happy for for Mark Trumbo, and I'm picking him to win it.
0: Yeah, I I was on the Trumbo train for a while. And then he went to the Mariners, and he, he let me down a little bit. But I, I kept the faith, <laughs> and I'm glad to see that, uh, that he's uh, turned it around. Um, the format definitely uh, makes it more exciting. I, I was talking to uh, somebody about it the other day, and they made a good point. You got guys like Robinson Cano who have such smooth swings. They're not very violent. He, he uses his body a lot a lot like Ken Griffey Jr. did. He used his whole body, uh, so his, his swing just looks so effortless. He was like, you know, you get a guy like that in the groove, and he doesn't tire out um, based on his technique. That could lead to a, a win, and he's he's won the um, home run derby before. And I think yep. people are overlooking the fact that Robinson Cano can hit it far, man. I think he, uh, yeah. I think him and Justin Upton are the only two people I've seen uh, play a game in Arizona and literally hit the hit the ceiling, like they hit it so yeah. far mm-hmm. and so high, like they hit the ceiling. So. It's not like he can't mash. Um I'm, I'm not sure the measurements uh, for – actually, they used to be, I think, about 402 on the corners, and they moved them in. So you're looking at about 390-ish on the corners in San Diego. Um, I'm not sure how the wall looks uh, in right field, how the wind blows out there and stuff like that, if it favors the lefties. Um, I know they got a short porch in left field. Um, so I expect Giancarlo to get plenty of line drive home runs. Um, and I think that's something that'll help him because he doesn't hit those high, majestic home runs a lot of times. He usually gets yeah. – I think his uh, exit and velocity is – Who's the,
1: the sixth? I know it's Giancarlo. It's Giancarlo, uh, it's Giancarlo, Car- uh, Giancarlo Frazier,
0: Carlo and uh, Cano. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And then Seager. Uh, I can't it Corey remember Seager who. In it? Um,
0: yeah, Corey Seeger's in it. Um, I can <laughs> – uh, Google the bracket real quick. Um, I can't remember forward, who the last guy is. I can't remember who the sixth is.
1: A six or eight? I think it's bring six. Bring the bracket up real quick because I know.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna bring the bracket six. up real quick. Sorry about
1: that guy. It's Cano, it's Cano Seager, Trumbo, Frazier, Giancarlo. Uh,
0: it's low right now. <laughs>
1: I think Corey Seager is going to put some, some shocks some people. You know, he's got a really smooth swing too. And, and, and I think Corey Seager is going to, going to, going to show out a little bit in this home run derby.
0: Yeah. My, our, our buddy Corey loves uh, Seager. I'm a hater on Seager. Um, but here it is. The, the matchups is going to be uh number one is Mark Trumbo versus number eight, Corey Seager on one side of the bracket Robinson Cano versus Giancarlo Stanton is on that same bracket. On the other side is Adam Duvall, the Cincinnati Reds, versus uh, the yep. home team Will Myers of the Padres. And then you got Ty Frazier, the two seed, versus Carlos Gonzalez at the seven seed. Um, a lot of people think Cano and Stanton are going to be the uh, the liveliest one, but uh, I mean Frazier versus uh, Cargo. Yeah, Frazier versus yeah. Cargo is going to be uh, exciting too because. Frazier is a very good derby style hitter, and, and Cargo can mash. I think I think a lot of people get turned off because he plays in um, in Colorado, but the guy can hit.
1: No, he definitely can. I mean, his his splits—if you look at his numbers—they're almost as good on the road as they are at home. Um, now, obviously, they're a little inflated. You know, at home, uh, everybody's numbers are inflated in Coors Field, but he's still—I think he's like a—he's got like a—he's got a, over 800 OPS on the road. Like the dude can hit no matter where he's at.
0: Yeah, So I, I had a little bit of slander before we switch to uh, our last topic. Who, who should have, uh, who should have given up their spot for Madison Bumgarner?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the, the, the all-star game is such a, such a hitter. Like there's always somebody who deserves to be in there that didn't make it uh, every single year. Uh, but Bum, like you said, mean, Bumgarner's been about as good as you can be this year. Uh, I can't. But I, here's what I, you know, I think I think most of the time, unless you know, I I I haven't really looked too hard, but I'm pretty sure there's no situation like the Kansas City Royals situation last year, where they had, you know, guys like Infante who didn't deserve to be an All Star making the All Star game. Uh, well, 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 I'm oh,
0: talking about just for the home run derby.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would have been fun to see. Uh you know, nobody even knows who Adam Duval is. I think we we bump Adam Duval out and <laughs> Bum runner in there.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking honestly, I was thinking Will Myers, but I was like, ah, he's the home home team guy. Uh but one yeah, interesting side story. Guy. Yeah, one interesting side story I'm going to let people know too before we switch. Corey Seager actually uh was born and raised, I think in San Diego, he's uh flying back home or, or actually he's driving back. Cause he plays in LA. So he's driving to San Diego and he's just, he's just going to leave from his parents' house and, uh, and go to the home run Derby. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, a lot of San Diego Padres fans and a lot of people from San Diego cheering for the actual hometown guy and Corey Seager and, uh, and, re- and see how they cheer Will Myers who actually pl- plays for the Padres.
1: So that's I mean, one of those Willmar, interesting stories. Will has been playing pretty well this year. Uh, he's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, showing some of that talent that he showed a few years ago when he when he won Rookie of the Year. Uh, so I can't knock, you know, them, them for having. The, and he's definitely the best player on the podcast. They're awful, uh, but he's definitely their best player. So I mean, you, you you know, the MLB definitely wants the hometown guys to be the stars of the home run uh, of the All Star Weekend, in the same way that uh, Frazier was last year in, in Cincinnati. So I I can't blame the MLB for throwing him out there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Switching to our last topic before we go, uh, give me your team to watch in the American League and the National League for the second half and then explain to the fans why they should care about the second half of the uh, season.
1: My second half team to watch is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays um, just because of those bats. You know, those bats really get rolling – and they kind of catch just some some semblance of some consistent pitching and some consistency in that bullpen. And Toronto can be dangerous. I mean, we saw what they did last year, the run that they went on last year in the second half of the season. You know, Toronto is a dangerous team. Uh, If I recall, last year they weren't in first place in the division at the all-star break last year either. Uh, But just those bats get hot at the right time again, and Toronto can can be just as dangerous as any team in, in the American League.
0: Yeah, my, my team to watch is uh, going to be the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, because the Chicago Cubs have been dreadful. Uh, they are actually 1-9 and nine in their last 10 games, and they yep. they started out so fired. They started out so good, and it just seemed like nobody was ever going to give them any competition. And the Pirates have been beat up. They've had injuries galore in their pitching staff, uh, in their players, and they just – and then you've the, you got, the, you got your boy Kang
1: out there doing his thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait before I judge him uh, to see what, <laughs> what the Tenderoni said. But um, I I just can't I just can't give up on them. Clint Hurdle and those guys know how to battle. They've been in this position the last I think two three years. They they're always trailing. It's usually the Cardinals that they're trailing, but they're always the team uh, kind of like the the black sheep of that division. Everybody talks about the Cardinals. Of course, everybody loves a good story and want the Cubs to win the World Series. But the Pittsburgh Pirates are always battling, and they're they're a fast team. They're an athletic team. They've got one of the best collective outfielders, uh, or groups oh, they, in the they, league. They probably
1: have the best outfield. They probably have the best outfield in the game right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, you got Marte. Got a Marte,
1: honestly, Sterling Marte is as good as Andrew McCutcheon. He just doesn't get the. But but that guy is just as good as McCutcheon is, and then yeah. you've got Polanco on the other side, who who is one of the better leadoff guys in the league. I mean they they've got a nice you know one two three with a lot of speed and and, and some pop in their back. Yeah, and and that speed
0: is what gives uh, guys like Lester problems. Like uh, the the Cubs the Cubs catchers honestly are not that good defensively. Uh, what's his name? Um, the backup uh, Ross. David Ross is okay, but he doesn't play all the time. The young guy that they've got, um, he's okay. Montero isn't that great at all. So you you get these teams like the Pirates who can run the bases, and they actually get on base uh, pretty well. Uh, They're causing problems, and they put pressure on the starting pitchers. They create situational pitching which is something that no pitcher really wants to, to happen. You don't want the other team to dictate your pitch uh, selection. Like You don't want guys on second and third or, or guys on first and second and uh, or a guy that can steal bases on first, and that kind of takes away from your breaking ball uh, because this guy is a threat to steal, so you want to help your catcher, so you end up having to throw more fastballs. They can sit on more pitches. You yep. become predictable, and I think that's something that's happened to the Cubs, and that's one of the things that the Pirates utilize so effectively as a team, um, even with their pitching staff not pitching that great, um, they're able to create so much chaos on the base pass and uh, drive in so many runs. And they're my team to
1: watch uh, in the second half. Well, kind of the same situation as the Cleveland Indians. Uh, offensively, they just the Pirates haven't had the same type of pitching success that, that Cleveland's had this year. Yeah, definitely. But it's that same type of lineup where they just – guys get on base and they just start creating havoc with the speed on base. You, you know, everybody's looking for that extra base. Everybody's looking looking to steal a bag here and there. Uh, and, and it really kind of keeps, keeps pitchers off balance. Yeah, and, and
0: then another thing I wanted to point out, too, is they're actually a pretty good pinch-hitting team, too. Uh, when you look at Mercer and Sean Rodriguez, when those guys come in to pinch hit or even when they're uh, filling in uh, for their respective roles, they can hit they can hit when they, when they bring Harrison off the bench, he can hit, (laughs) you know? So when they put these guys in they're they're a deeper team than they're giving credit for. And if they do get healthy in the second half, they're going to be a problem for the Cubs, for the Mets, for any team out there that doesn't have a uh, Yadier Molina behind the plate, they're going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. And they, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, like you said, you know, any team that doesn't have a top-tier arm behind the behind the plate, you know, the the, the Pirates are gonna be able to create problems for them. Uh, and yeah. it seems like more and more catchers nowadays, you know, as as teams look for catchers that can that can make plays with the bat, uh, you know, you see less and less of catchers who really kind of have those those arms to gun gun runners down. And that and that has uh, aided to what I
0: consider the evolution of baseball right now, it it has, to me, regressed back to small ball. And I know people see uh, home runs and stuff, and they see guys mashing. The the stat casts are incredible, and they they really make uh, everything cool. And you see how far people can hit and stuff like that. But what you don't see is what leads up to a lot of these home runs, and it's the threat of a guy getting in scoring position by stealing, a guy getting in scoring position by somebody bunting, somebody being technical and just hitting it to the right side of the field when the runner's on second so he can get to third, stuff like that, creating uh, these scenarios where you can predict the pitch count, where you can force the pitcher to have to throw you a fastball, to have to throw you – of oh, the, the curveball outside and stuff like that. You're, you're seeing guys uh, being in situations where they can sit on pitches, and I think that's why we're getting uh, batting averages that are not showing the power numbers or uh, batting averages that don't show the RBI numbers. Like, you get guys like Giancarlo, who's batting probably like 240, 250, but he's got like 20 home runs, you know, because he's getting in these counts yep. because four guys in front of him are batting three hundred. So that's what's leading to him being able to, to, you know, like if he didn't have those guys, basically, he would be low 200s, 180 like he was when he was struggling. But you can help a guy out by putting him in a situation where, hey, sit fastball. You know it's coming. He, he's got no other choice but to throw you this fastball. And you got a hitting coach like Barry Bonds, of course, is going to help as well. But I'm just saying that the game within the game is what we're seeing. And I think that's one of the reasons why people should watch. Come second half is that you've got a lot of these teams that are making runs at the right time, and the top teams like the the Cubs and even the Rangers are seeing some uh, struggles in the last two weeks that I don't think they anticipated.
1: Well, I was just actually just Giancarlo would be my player to watch in the second half, uh, and, and and here's why, um, you know I I think like you said Barry Bonds is a hitting coach now. I, I think he 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 has uh, so much respect for Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds probably threw a few adjustments at him, said, here, you know, do this, change up this, do this, and that's why we saw a lot of struggles from Giancarlo early in the season. He was trying to work through those adjustments, uh, but I feel like at this point, he, he might have worked through all those adjustments as he started to, to, to figure some things out, and, and I think he might even be a more dangerous player than, than we've seen before, potentially, you know, if, if, if he really kind of has figured some things out uh, from, from, from Barry's teaching it, from Barry's teaching
0: yeah, definitely. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna take our week break as well. Um, I hope everybody can catch the All Star game is on Tuesday night. Uh, I think the Home Run Derby is tomorrow night. Um, familiarize yourself with the players. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be promoting uh, the best of the best, even the ones who were injured and couldn't participate. But if you're looking to pick up baseball the second half or even for the next month or so, while there's no football, this is the perfect time. Uh, to to join and learn some things, and then if you have questions, like always, post them in the group. Find me on Twitter at activelylazy85. Um, Brian, you got anything you want to say before we roll out? Not just make
1: sure you know we, everybody. I always say watch more baseball. You know you're not going to be able to uh, to find anything you love about it if you don't watch it. <laughs> All right. I like that I like that
0: alright guys so we're out uh, this has been the full count and we're gonna let you guys go
1: alright man I'll see you next week alright alright